Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today I have a very good friend of mine on the show. He is uh, the drummer for my hardcore punk band, Dead Fucking Serious, and uh, a, a talented, versatile, very prolific musician in his own right. Uh, before I get to that, I want to let people know that my books are finally back. Um, last April, I published my first ever book called Famous Last Words, 10 Years of Take 92 Music. That was for the anniversary of this company, and I have re-edited, expanded, um, added a chapter on the Vacant Eyes album and that tour, um, covered a huge missing portion of my discography, so it's more than 100 records now. And I didn't realize Famous Last Words, being my 10-year anniversary project, was my 100th record. That's crazy. It's nuts. Anyway, you can pick that up at Take92.com. It would mean a lot to me if you check that out. Uh, it tells a lot of stories about my other projects, including stories about this man, Kellen Holty. Uh, like I said, he's the drummer for DFS. He's the drummer for Facing Extinction, Grindcore Band. Uh, you can catch him making black metal sounds with... The Screaming Wind, you can check his folk singer-songwriter stuff with Bear Cub and everything in between. So uh, without further ado, this is my man Kellen Holty. We just sat down and listened to our band's uh, demos, 10, 10 songs, new-ish songs um, that haven't come out for our next album. And um, I wanted to, to just hit record before we lose the freshness of that. Um, thoughts? Um, I don't. I think it's sounding pretty good. Um, it's still pretty in the rough stages, but the the songs are. I think it's the best material that this band has come up with. It's aggressive. It's pissed off, like it's always been, but in a very mature sounding way. So. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I noticed that too um, over uh, the course of time. That it's like uh, it's not lyrically exactly the same, but it's just as ferocious as before. You know, it's like yeah. we have different things in our lives now that cause the same reaction. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's just the the um, focus of the aggression is more just that it's just more focused whereas before it was just like venting from a lot of shit that was going on or whatever yeah sometimes, at least for me sometimes and i <clears throat> dfs is interesting because we didn't take it that seriously um so i think it was kind of perceived as somewhat of a i don't know if we were thought of really as a serious group or if it was kind of like a joke band I'm not sure how other people perceive you weren't in it at first, so maybe you have better idea of that. No. But I do remember you holding a fake AK forty seven at a show. When we performed when the we, Scarface song. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But that was okay. yeah. Which was still pretty silly. That was a joke, but yeah. It wasn't like I don't know. But but the thing that strikes me about the band is I don't know how seriously people take it, but on the flip side of of that coin, the lyrics are not like silly illusionist no. punk songs were. No. Um, even on the early stuff, 
it was very much like rebelling against this like corporate lifestyle that we were kind of thrust into in our early twenties, late, uh, late teens. And, um, you know, I, I listened to some of those early songs, like the ones that we redid for the split. And I feel like, I feel like there's, there's, uh, messages of, of substance still. Mm -hmm. They're still valid in those early songs. Whereas like if you were to replay other punk songs from my various projects, they wouldn't quite hold up the same way. You know, there's a, there's a timeless quality about the DFS shit that is part of the reason I don't want this band to die before we get a legit release Mm -hmm. in our hands, you know, like, yeah, no, it's, it's a, I don't know. I feel like it's, I mean, especially for you, but it's, it's personal, I think for all of us. So yeah, um, definitely for me, just because it was the first like actual aggressive band that I was in that was doing stuff, you know, like before I was doing facing extinction, but at time it was just exploring music in high school. It wasn't even called facing extinction at the time. It was just hanging, hanging out and just trying to make gnarly music. Um, but then when, um, when DFS was going to break up and then, then I, I like, you know, came up to you and said like, Hey, I can play drums, you know? And yeah, that was, that was great. By the way, if anybody, um, like if you've read my book, you might've heard the story, but when I started DFS in 2006, right after my first solo record, which was like kind of folk rock, um, indie rock thing. And it was, it was, uh, just like my retreat from hardcore music because I just I, the scene was just gross um, in many ways. Pretty and jockey. It was over. <laughs> just the whole thing. It was over. Yeah. The dreams were dead. Yeah. Done. And so I tried this other record and like nobody cared. And it had parts of it that were really cool and had potential, but then there were things about it that just didn't work. And so I have this like failed record that I'm about to release and i'm going man that new no effects cd is just so good like (laughs) i wish we could just take it back to the early days i'm like man that new sick of it all is just so good like i miss those days you know and so i i wrote uh an ep's worth of songs just in a couple weeks cranked them out brought in some friends to record them and um and we just pulled a band out of our ass and um it didn't last that long. I think within six months we had played a number of shows and our drummer, Darren was like, Hey, I'm going into the military. Mm-hmm. Peace out. I'm like, Oh, okay. And we played our finale show and, you know, Kellen was one of the only people who actually would like the band enough to not just be up front, but like sing along to the songs yeah. and, <laughs> and, you know, uh, as punk shows can be, you do the shout outs and stuff with the mic and, and, you know, totally. that, it was really fun. Um, and I remember talking to you after that set and I was bummed like, man, I just had a failed record and I have another failed project. This one, this sucks. You know, it's what the fuck am I going to do? You know? Yeah. And we're talking and you were like, man, it just really sucks. Like, you know, you guys are doing something pretty cool and we're just standing over at the merch table and I'm like, wait, you play the drums though, don't you? Yeah. Chris, come here. 
<laughs> like it was just fucking happened like that. I don't even remember we even had like a fucking audition about it. It was just like, mm. oh wow, we can do this. We can do this. Let's do that. I think so. Yeah, I think I think there was like a let's see how it goes practice type thing, and yeah. it just went so well that it was just like yeah, let's just keep doing this. So, yeah. Um, that's when you but, know it's good, man. When the chemistry just just is there, like. Yeah. W- when uh, when Evan joined the Illusionists, because it was just one rapper, one producer originally, and it was the same thing. Like he came over, and I was like, because he he had wrote me that he was, he he liked the song we put out, the first song we put out, and I was like, yeah, I'm having trouble on these couple like choruses. Can you just lend your voice to him and see if you know we could do anything differently? And yeah, recorded it just on the spot, and I was like, oh no, you can come back, you know, get to know him a little bit. He's like, no, I'll just do it, and did it. And I was like, holy shit. You just made the fucking song. Like, the album's done now. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> progressing, be in the group. <laughs> progressing naturally is, I mean, if it goes like that, then just keep going until, you know. Yeah. It's just the best. It's the best way to get something done. Like every it's the funnest. Every cool thing that I've done, I feel like, musically, um, has has kind of been an accident as far as, like, yeah. uh, you know, place and time and who's who's been involved. Sure. Um, and you know, like Evan was definitely one. You were definitely one. Where it was like, mm-hmm. uh, or, or you know, rapping at all. When like I thought I was gonna be making punk rock. You know, it's just like any of those things just come by surprise. What it is that that catches people's ear, or or that makes someone come up to you and talk about collaborating or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, I I, it, I guess it seemed sort of out of character for me, just because I wasn't such a. I wasn't very bold at that time. Yeah. But but at that point in time, I'd come to know you guys so much as friends. Whereas yeah. before it was like you were you guys like way back in the day, like way back in the day. Um it was like, you know, I was wanting to do what like you guys were doing. This um, day's in? Like or Yeah. Well I guess it was E P D at the time and then yeah. it changed into this day's in. But not just you guys, but it was like Compact fifty six and like um who else? I don't even know. Well, yeah, remember. same with us. I mean, we wanted yeah. to be part of that scene, and they, they let us be part of that scene. Right. So. And I guess I just didn't know how because I'm I'm a shy guy, you know, and so yeah. I didn't know how to, like, do it. And so getting to know you guys well enough and then having the free time to just be like, you know, I like what you're doing, and you're breaking up because you're missing a drummer. Yeah. And I'm a drummer. I'm just going to stand here I'm and just gonna, talk yeah. to you for a while until that <laughs> just, sinks into your fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trying to Cause you, that seed. you never, like, pushed it. I don't remember it that way at all. Not like, really, no. I was just kind of like, wait a... Whoa, whoa, shit! Yeah. You know, I just tried to be in your I peripheral vision. I remember that, like, yeah. moment of just... <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah. Because um, you were, like... Uh, you know, at that point, we had kind of become friends, but, like, just a year or two before that, I mean, you were Jake's brother. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you were right. Jake's brother, because I worked with him sure. in, like, 2003, 4, 5, I think, and, um, and like, that's that's how I knew you. Like, I right. kind of put that together, like, oh, yeah, I've seen that kid around. Like, they, okay, yeah. cool, yeah, that's Jake's brother, you know, and then all that, all that yeah, shit okay, happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We made records. Yep. Man, when we... What what do you remember about those shows? Because we did, I think you were in the band about a year and a half before we called it quits, something like that. Uh, was it that long? Yeah, because this was, Darren left in like the fall of 06, so it only lasted a few months with him. Yeah. And I remember our final, quote unquote, um, right. record 
dropped to MySpace in early 2008. Huh. Yeah, so, right. so I mean, it was it was more than a year. That I guess we were, so. Yeah, you're right. Um, that guess, last period yeah. though was basically just recording because we lost members and it was just yeah. you know and then falling members apart. And then lost but, members. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what what do you remember about that time in the band? Um, like when I first joined. Yeah, or or, or just, just that period, just any I guess. of that moment that. Because it was a weird time in the scene, for sure. And I I always felt like we never got a fair shake. Um, But then part of me also looks back at that time and was like, well, we we had songs and we had heart, but we didn't have the performances yet. And and for for that reason, we didn't have the records yet, you know? Like, Um, that's why we would go back and redo redo those songs when we got back together, because, like, they didn't... They didn't have it yet, but there was something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess music-wise, I, I would agree with that. I felt like we were trying to, like, find the sound that we wanted in the band, you know. Um, and for me personally, being the first like working band of like trying to do something just like good, you know, yeah. and fun, it meant a lot to me because I learned a lot. I learned how to, you know play aggressive music not only live but with other people and whatnot um so i remember i I mean i guess i remember a lot back then but the most that i remember are the um just us coming up with the music and playing with people that still cared about like that type of music yeah it was like the last bastion of that scene yeah. at that moment at least at least in this area i don't know how it was i mean if we were in orange county or something i don't know if it would have been any different or not i'm not sure but i'm sure it would but you also just look at what was happening that period was kind of a changing of the guard you know that's true and going from um like by the time this day's end was happening in 2004 2005 aside from like you know green day american idiot or whatever the whole like punk and pop punk scene was really just dying off there wasn't a ton of success happening there like you were getting a lot of hardcore or metalcore stuff like that becoming the forefront of the the same crowds they're now dressing differently and they're now going to these heavier kinds of uh chugga chug kind of things and i remember we were kind of competing with that to an extent um because there we couldn't find bands to play with you know that were that sounded like us true because it was like okay we'll play with grounds for assault because you know they they come from that background but really they were a little closer to that heavier like you know yeah bro pick up the fucking change (laughs) crowd you know they they were they were more into that and um had a little more like youth crew on it when they would go fast you know Mm -hmm. and um I don't know. And then when we'd play with like Broadway Calls or something, which didn't, I guess it made more sense the longer we went. Because the longer we went, we did start writing more. The, the songs we wrote as a group were way more melodic than the songs yeah. I had written for the EP. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess that did evolve. But I do remember having a hard time finding other bands to play with that sounded anything like us and and just trying to figure out what was happening you know yeah no that that's that's true I, I i would agree with that actually yeah there was definitely some some struggle of like 
finding like bands, I guess. Yeah, because we, I guess we were playing with either like more poppy, like pop punk bands or sort of like heavier metal sounding bands. And we just could never kind of like, yeah, we're always doing, trying to play either one of those shows and it just, nobody really got it. So it's, it's like the opposite of at the time, at least. The, the it's like parallel with this day's end because when we started playing heavier, more experimental stuff, we would get booked on these pop punk bills still. Right. And we'd be the odd one out. But our shit was like so crazy intense that it, you know, even if it alienated some of the crowd, other people would be pulled into it like, whoa, what the fuck is like, you know? Yeah. Because they, they knew who we were. It was like, whoa, those guys are doing something right. crazy now. You know, it's way different. But like with DFS, we didn't really have that advantage of longevity. We didn't, even though members were from different things, we didn't quite have the history. No. So we'd be on there and they'd be like, Fucker, what? Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. And just with um, like more fights breaking out at shows and stuff, that kind of made sense why we receded into just a recording project before it yeah. ended at the time. So and, and also, I mean, aside from problems in the scene, because I think that was, that was my dil- disillusionment, that was Chris's disillusionment, because we've been in it for so long. You know, seeing it turn into that was disappointing, but... Mm-hmm. Um, when you say scene, are you talking about like, like the hardcore music I'm scene or about, just like our friends? I'm scene? talking about the punk scene in this town that had several phases within the same uh, basic group of band members and audience members. Okay. You know? Yeah. If you were to look at from like 2000 to 2007, that period, there was a big shift you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and like, uh, for me, it was probably kind of a, a an ego blow too. Cause it was like for a minute, I felt like I had finally built up my place in here <laughs> and I was, right. you know, going to get to, yeah. you know, live this life that I wanted. And then like, after that fell apart, I was like, Oh man, that that's a blow. But man, this new group has a lot of potential. This could be really cool. And no one fucking cared. So it was like, uh, you know, yeah. and I, I don't know, part of it, I couldn't, quite reconcile whether it was the timing or whether it was that we weren't good enough or the song sucked or I don't know. And I think it was probably all of those things to an extent because the longer we went on, the more we had this identity crisis of like Polanski wrote a lot and that took us in a more melodic direction. You were uh, a more technical drummer so we could start doing more stuff with the arrangements and yeah, you know, it, it changed a lot in that, in the, the latter half of that year or so. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened. It uh, it just kind of seems like we didn't quite know what to do with it. And so coming back to it now, I'd say we've been reunited since 2012. I tell people that, that I mean, that's when the record came out, you know, the, the split EP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When we got back together, played yeah. for four hours after f- four years off. Yeah. And then went right back to it. uh, And then went, (laughs) yeah, let's record all these songs back to back live. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that to me was the first time we actually sounded like DFS. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, especially since then, because after that, I definitely been really busy with more, with like more aggressive um, type music with like Facing Extinction, which is like grindcore and uh, like, more crusty punk type stuff, you know, kept that vibe going for me, at least like learning a lot of how to even play faster and more in the pocket and stuff like that. And then 
just these other various, you know, uh, projects that I was doing at the time. Um, I think that I, I came into myself since those early days of DFS of like, like really knowing how to like play aggressively and portray that with other musicians that are doing the same thing. And so I I completely agree. I I remember, um, tracking that session going, this dude can really play now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, I never had an issue with your playing before, you know, I I even had you on my other records sometimes, Uh you know, like I, I liked playing with you. It was fun and it always sounded good. But I remember when we got back together, I was like, fuck, this dude's been like really hitting it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, there was definitely growth, uh, a total change, I, I felt like. You had retained style, but you just refined it and had this energy that was a little more... Um, before Before it was just raw energy, you know? <laughs> right. And this time it was like... Focus energy. Yeah, it was yeah. meticulous, the, you know, the, the, the things you were doing. You're putting it in all the right places. You mm-hmm. know? Cool. It, it was cool. And, um, and at that time, so we wrote just one new song the last one standing and we took we skipped all of the later era the the 2008 release we skipped that entirely mm-hmm. and just pulled the best songs from the first ep re-recorded them added the last one standing and added the minor threat cover which we used to do live sometimes um, yeah yeah with chris singing i remember it was almost heart attack man it was really close to I, being heart attack man Still should be. <laughs> I think we should do I've it. been wanting to do like one of those Beastie Boys songs for a long time, yeah. but Heart Attack Man would be really good. I think we should do that. And That'd be cool. Um, actually, uh, I, I wasn't going to quite go there now, but um, one of the things, if... if I, I have people ask me about DFS when I tour around on my rap stuff, and I don't quite know what to tell people like yeah we've been working on this record for i don't know how long maybe two years now um it's just very on and off because it's not the the priority but we're not gonna crap it out you know yeah like yeah it does mean something to us like this year now shit in uh in this summer it'll be 10 years (laughs) since we started this band you know so yeah um If if we're gonna do this shit, we're gonna make it the best that it can be. So, one thing that I might do, we just listen to these songs. Most of them, I think, are are just about ready to record. You know, they're yeah, they're sounding pretty good. Oh yeah. Um, some of them, I I need to get in a room and play with you because because the demo mm-hmm. is just me playing everything, and I'm not a drummer. Um, those ones need a little work, and then there was one or two that probably won't make the record. And see, now I think we take that shit, and we take like Heart Attack Man, and we take some some old school uh, punk shit, and we just crank out four or five songs, and go okay. Because when we put out Lost, I don't know about you, I got feedback. Yeah, no, I did too. Actually, I had uh, some of my wife's family in Virginia was like really? where's more of that really because like we need more of that and that's right yeah it was really cool because uh uh his name's david and um he has a he has a little kid in there like they, they skateboard all the time and just have fun and um when it was posted he i think he messaged me or something like that and he's just like dude this is like 
the best thing that I've heard in a long time. And I was like, awesome. You know, like it's, it's connecting to some, some people at least, you know, yeah. and, uh, knowing that somebody out there wants more of it is like sweet. You I know, think it we're might, on the right track. I think it might be a better time for this music now than it was when we started because there's yeah. kind of a resurgence of, you know, people wanting that, that good old raw shit, you know, and they're buying it on cassette and it's super yeah. oh, underground yeah. again. And like, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. not competing for the cover of alternative press magazine and doing their makeup and their hardcore dances. It's like, there's, there's a lot of shit out there that's, um, just the fucking music is just about the music. Well, again, yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, that's, good music is going to stand the test of time no yeah. matter what. And if, and if we can, you know, if anybody can really, if making music that 10 years later, they're still like wanting to make that music or still listen to that music, yeah. then there's something to be said about that. And it shouldn't be taken, you know, with just like a, like you said, like just farting out an album or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want to It needs do to be that. taken seriously. And, and even if we do an EP, I think that, it, you know, it's not going to be as, uh, you know, crazy high quality as I want this album to be, but it'll still be better than the split. I promise that. It's going to be something that, that sounds really good and that yeah. everything that we put out is going to be better than, than the last. I might even put that Lost demo on there just sure. as is because people... Uh, people responded to that. Yeah, and that's a good idea. I, my favorite reaction to that song, actually, when we put out that demo, was somebody commented, I don't remember if it was on yours or mine or the band's page or what, but they were like, this is the most punk rock thing I've heard since the first Suicidal record. <laughs> I was like, dude! It's like yeah. one of my biggest influences for this kind of music. You yeah. know? Like, I think that, that might have been Dave, um, actually. I can't remember. But huh, I don't know. I, I just remember hearing that and going, fuck, and then when we were out in the Bay Area a few months ago, and then when we were in Albuquerque a few months ago, and just people kept bringing it up, like, dude, that song is fucking crazy, man. That's you cool. never hear shit that's that raw, like, you know, yeah, and and just real. It's like, dude, I we got more. It's just mm-hmm. it's gonna be a while. So yeah. Um. But okay, let me pose this question because I have some um regular listeners here. We've been discussing. Originally, we, we wanted to re-record those songs that we had on the split, the original songs, um, not the cover, and, and include those on the full length. We kind of leaned towards not doing that at this point um, and just recording the new ones. We have like 10, 10 new songs right now and maybe tack on those same exact versions, recordings that you've heard. Maybe I'll remix them or something to clean up a little bit. But tack that on at the end of the record so you have bonus tracks. Um, kind of like uh, uh, the example I think it was like Ice Cube. When you buy America's Most Wanted, um, you get the Kill It Will EP as like track 15 through 19 or whatever. You know, it's just tacked on. I like that idea because I think those songs, performance-wise, are great. However, there's a part of me that really wants this record to sound better. And I think our demos already sound better than that EP does sonically. Um, uh, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> so dear listeners, I want you to tell me comments or, or, or messages or tweets or email me at Sam at take 92.com and tell me, would you want to hear those songs re-recorded and sequenced with the album? Or do you want to hear those just as is, included on there because i want them to be on a physical release i want people to have them 
And our songs are very short, so I don't want you to feel like you bought this album and now it's, oh, it's 16 minutes long or something and <laughs> I got short change, you know? So we want to give you enough material, but I don't want to feel like we're beating these old songs to death. And it's a fine line we're at, I feel like. Could be done either way. Let us know what you think of that because I still kind of want to re-record them and I still <laughs> kind of want to leave them alone. Yeah. So yeah, let us know what you think of that. Now, before we, we spend the, the whole time talking about DFS, but a comment I made when we were listening to these demos, I kind of like how they were recorded at different times because it's definitely not homogenous and it has... It has a variety of like different influences without ever losing its core um, direction. I feel like, you know, and once yeah. we cut the one or two that doesn't quite fit, it'll have that, you know, consistency. But like you can hear a little, uh, like I said, oh, like oh that that's almost like an agnostic front verse, or like oh that's almost like a no effects intro, or that's kind of like a good riddancy kind of thing. Like you can hear little elements of different influences. Um, so it's not like you're just getting bashed in the face with the same, you know, two riff styles over and over. Right. Um, I, I really like that about it. Yeah. Another thing I like about it is that we've returned to the hardcore roots without doing a bunch of fucking breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least, uh, well, I mean, there there is a breakdown, but it's like a, yes. it's a traditional type, like yeah, it's not 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 the breakdown that we got used to when we were younger, where <laughs> it meant <laughs> you know, oh, open up the pit, you know, like type of thing. It it's like a, it's just meant for musical purposes and to sort of change the direction of the song yeah. from fast in your face to kind of building it back up. And that that new one I want to play that I want to show you today. Mm-hmm. has an element like that as cool. well, yeah. um, which is cool. But, yeah, I I deliberately wanted to avoid anything that had that um, pseudo-metal influence. Sure, yeah, and, and I'm glad that that uh, has stuck with you when you were writing the songs because um, that was... You made that comment, actually, when we got a bulk of the songs done is that... I would show you bands and I'm like, oh, this is starting to sound like this to me. You know, I, I can't remember what band I was showing you, but mm. um, you immediately were like, see, this has like metal tendencies. You know, like it, it has these like metal sort of influences and stuff. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Like listening to the those punk bands that you're talking about, like Agnostic Front or even like F minus, a lot of the Hellcat, you know, bands and just yeah. like all these other bands, they kind of don't have that metal sound and, well, and it's and, like okay that makes sense you know well if you listen to the, the other thing is is era too because um i look at an album like riot riot upstart and i i've listened to it front to back and i think this is just not a more perfect record than this it's just so it just captures everything i love about east coast hardcore and punk rock and um then if you go like just two albums later they're really really heavy mm-hmm. juggy riffy stuff and it's a lot different so they do totally. kind of go in that way 
and yeah, it's definitely been a conscious decision. Like I, I almost have been looking at the more hardcore Hellcat stuff as like the blueprint for the like F minus or, or like Rancid 2000, like the faster ones on that. You yeah. know, I love the way that as the symbols fade out, the next riff already starting, right. you know, for the next song and they just nonstop right. relentless. Yeah. yeah. Just, or like I told you, I got into that band punch from, oh, yeah. from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. God, they're good. Yeah. And we played with them actually in California. I'm jealous. I'm really jealous. Like I, I hear, uh, that girl's voice and I'm like in love. It's, <laughs> it's like, Oh man, I haven't heard, uh, uh, a female hardcore singer that perfect in forever, man. It's, it's great. Probably yeah. not since Berserk. Have I heard like a female fronted huh. hardcore band that nice. got me that excited, you know? And I first heard them when I was in like eighth grade. So, you know, it's it's rare that you find something that just gets you that yeah. excited. And I've been listening to that record a lot. I like how they did that whole thing live and on two inch tape. I thought oh. that's pretty cool because I I thought I recognized the producer's name and I looked up his his uh, his name in his studio and the punch record. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can't remember his name, but the guy who produced it's in the Bay Area, and he does everything on, on tape, and um, it it just has that timeless sound. It's like it's big and punchy, like a modern record, but it's almost like off, mm-hmm. you know, where their records, the newer ones, anyways, sound good, but it just sounds like a band in a room. Right. Yeah. Well, you know? it's um, the first record. I can't remember the record label. I think it's run by Chris Dodge, who um, was in a band called Spaz. Okay. I think that's who it was. I don't know if that's who recorded it or not. I, I don't remember the history of the record. but Of Off? Of, no, Punch. Of, of Punch, okay. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I was talking about both, yeah. Oh, I see, but, okay. But, I, yeah. Punch, Punch's, one of Punch's records is on the label that uh, Chris Dodge from Spaz used to own. Uh, runs and he has very similar bands like that like very fast not uh not perfectly you know sounding records and stuff but they're good enough that they like hit hard and stuff like that yeah and that's that's always been my goal as a producer is to find that um that that magic point in the middle of of having something that just sounds really fucking good and something that has a really great live energy to it. Like it's got to have yeah. feel as much or more than it has to be perfect sonically to me. Oh, um, totally. And so like people uh, who who come in here and, and, and like rappers, they always want to do their verses in like sections and then they want to add like a bunch of backup vocals to you know just have shit on top of it and sure. so like it never sounds like a real performance and you kind of can't tell when they're punching in and out because there's just so much extra superfluous nonsense going on yeah and i'm always like no 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 let's let's reel this in like listen to like okay you're here because because you thought my records sounded good listen back to those records there's not one backup vocal in a verse, maybe yeah. on the chorus, but there's n- there's not one backup vocal mm-hmm. because I'm trying to give you what I do on stage, right? And I'm trying to give you one 
long take, you know, of a, a good performance, right. you know, like this, this, uh, the next single from, uh, Sammy Warmhands and Ogar Burl, um, is actually my solo track from our new record, but it is a three minute verse. Damn. No punches. Yeah. You know, like that's the shit that I want, you know? Yeah. And it sounds good. I made sure I did it and I thought, okay, I finally made it through the whole thing. No mistakes could be better. You know, so I got mm-hmm. two more of those so that I could choose from like a full entire performance of the whole song and go, yeah, this is the one, you know? Right. I miss that shit, you know, where it's like that you you go to see somebody and then you buy the record and you put it on in the car and you're driving home and you're like, oh, yeah, I love this song. Not like, oh, this sounds a lot different. Yeah. In the studio. Or it's like, it's sounds perfect you know but yeah. the band wasn't perfect yeah like like the or cool thing versa. about him was like oh he had that little extra rasp in yeah. his voice on that one chorus part right. like when he, he hit the high note and and yeah. you know or, and it doesn't have that or like oh when when the guitar kind of uh bent out of tune a little bit on the solo like oh that was that was really cool you know yeah. when you don't get those things then like i i i re-listened to when i i, I rebroadcast my inaugural episode with with crosby and um, there's a part where we're talking about this kind of thing in producing. And uh, it's it stuck with me that, that when you hear a record you made and you hear a mistake, you are now back in the room, in the vocal booth or behind the drum kit or wherever you were. Sure, yeah. You remember playing it. You remember talking about it, whether or not you're going to keep it. Mm-hmm. You remember uh, having to record other things on top of it and and work with it and you know mm-hmm. whatever yeah. and and like you remember the process and and it takes you back to that time you were there and when everything's just so perfect even you as the artist who made it aren't gonna remember any of those little moments you know yeah. so the listener is really not gonna be able to tell uh, or to remember this record from the next guy's record if they're all just so perfect mm-hmm. you know yeah well and, and that's something that um that you 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 saying it that way that it, it reminds me of that was something that we connected on to a long time ago is that it's like we even tried recording a track by track before on a couple of dfs songs i mm-hmm. think it was uh i think it's called home yeah, I think because we tried we, to do it that way. Yeah, after you joined, we reissued the Beefcore EP yeah, with, with like a bonus a track that made no sense being on that record. No, and and it was a nightmare. That's, At least to me, it was that song. The thing that sucks is when I listen back to that track, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like straight up, it's just not good. That's yeah. like if we ever had one song that you could narrow in on the scope and be like, what do you think was the most like growing pains moment mm-hmm. of the band? Like that, that song. song. Yeah. And then I can go find the original demo that's just Polanski's clean guitar and mm-hmm. me singing on it. And it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's not. No, you I know, know what I mean. mean. Like it's, it's, the, the, it's the essence perfect, of yeah. the song. It's great. Yeah. And I think we were just like, okay, if we're going to take this in a 
different direction. You know, we need to just deconstruct and fucking rebuild this whole fucking... It's like, no, we're a fucking punk band, you yeah. know? Like, sure, go in that other direction, but just play the fucking song. Like, we were overanalyzing every little right. thing, and then it still didn't even come out better. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, and that's... And, yeah, that, that's why I've always liked the live recording you know just because it gives you the essence of what you're doing you know or the long takes you know yeah it just it just gives it that that sort of raw you know what you'll get if you ever saw this live or just just in general like you can easily like pinpoint and like re-record everything you know specifically to a click track and everything and this record will sound great but i've always been disappointed whenever i get a perfect sounding record and then I go see the band, and they're not perfect. And it's like, but the record sounded great. You yeah. know, like, this was, like, amazing and, and, like, no flaws whatsoever. And then the band is playing really raw and very, you know, like what you were saying. And that's sort of disappointing. And that, that that's the key, though, is to, um, like, the record. It's a record. Think of that word outside of the context of music. It's a record. You recorded right. an event yes. to document this piece of music with this group in this time. So, like, if you go and play the show on Tuesday and then you record it on Wednesday, it shouldn't be that different. Right. You know? Yeah. Obviously, you want to give it the goddamn best you can. Uh, but, yeah, it shouldn't be a totally different animal. And that's the thing is most people look at it as, like... Um, a separate being entirely right. like they'll go oh i'm going in to make a record today you know yeah i'm going into the studio i'm going to read off the paper and you know make everything just right. i don't i don't know it's weird like they change the, their voices they'll dial in their guitars differently they'll mm-hmm. do i mean it's like what the f- yeah have you ever done that before when you played it no why are you doing it now yeah <laughs> totally yeah and i don't know i mean when you do record things that way, they do sound really good and, you know, you'll have a great record and stuff. But I just feel like maybe in punk rock or more aggressive music is more of what I'm talking about. That if you have this perfect sounding record, but you're not a perfect sounding band, yeah, you know, then it's sort of disappointing. But Like if you're a Wilhelm Scream, go for it because you're that good. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but even in that regard, it, you're still like playing to the best of your ability on the record so yeah. that you're portraying yourself correctly. Yes. It's not necessarily, I should clarify that, that it's not necessarily like that it should sound like a perfect record. It should be a good record because you don't want to just like, you know, be like, well, that was the best I could do, even though there's mistakes. It's like, no, you'll, you'll keep going until you get it right. Yeah. You want to get the great take. Exactly. But that's exactly it. You want the but good it's the take. Great take. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. want a puzzle don't piece. Fix of... it and post or do whatever. Yeah, whatever. You I, know? I remember doing those early records. Uh, the Take ninety two, like record your band on the weekend. We do four songs for somebody and whatever. And it was constantly like, you know, the drums are the first thing done. People would always be like, "Yeah, it's good enough." I'm like, "Oh, okay." You know, yeah. When we go to track the guitars and that little entrance. To the bridge isn't right. We're gonna have to do that part ten, twenty times over, right? To yeah. get you to line up with his mistake. Like, can we just do that once more and get the good take? Mm-hmm. You know, 
and not go and like, oh, well, you can just edit it, right? I'm like, all right, let's take 15. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll work on it. You know, totally. Like, I hate that shit. But um, so I want to talk uh, ab- about your music um, uh, uh, apart from the group. Um, so Facing Extinction, I didn't realize predates DFS. When did that mm-hmm. start? Uh, it was, I don't know, <laughs> high school for me. So it was probably, we first started jamming probably about a f- uh, within a year that DFS started. So probably 2005? Before I joined DFS, I yeah. should say. So probably 2005 or 2004-ish, end of 2004 probably. Were you guys, when you started out, were you playing Grindcore or were you... Doing yeah, something it was different. it was basically like we were just trying to uh, just come up with the gnarly music that we were listening to at the time. Yeah, you know, um, my friend Jason, who's the vocalist of the band, we were in high school together, and he was showing me a lot of really old school gnarly grind bands um, like Napalm Death and Anal Blast. Um, oh, and yeah, there, there's some good <laughs> names out there. Um, and uh cephalic carnage and like all these other like old sort of technical grind and like death bands and stuff like that and yeah um i was really into it because it was always pushing the envelope that's something about me that i've always liked about the music that i wanted to do was i'd always find a sound that really intrigued me and liked me and then i wanted to see who was pushing it to the the farthest edge of that style you know that's why when it came to um like you know punk rock and stuff like that i was trying to find the fastest shortest yeah. loudest gnarliest bands you know and it just so happened that grindcore was a good evolution out of punk rock for that and so um so we jammed and made i think one no two songs the first time we played together like way back way back when and that was sort of the beginning of the band and then uh our bass player who's who's with us now uh bucky he uh joined the band and then we all started to like seriously think about like continuing and playing and stuff and at the time i was still really um i don't know what the word is i guess i was still really uncomfortable with like um just like alcohol and drugs and stuff oh, like gotcha. that, you yeah. know, and not to say that they were like addicts or anything like that, but that, that it was around. And yeah. so I was like, I don't know how comfortable I am with this and story so, of my life. So, so I left and then, um, as I got older, it's just, I, you know, became wiser with, you know, whatever life goes on, blah, blah. And then I, um, found out that they were, that they were now called facing extinction and they were playing shows at like the wandering goat and stuff back in 2007, eight, something like that. I can't remember. So around the time <laughs> that our shit's faded, it like faded out. out and yeah. then, uh, I was, um, just sort of not doing much. And then shortly after that, um, I found out that all my friends were playing shows cause my friend Jason told me about it. He's like, Hey, we're still playing music. Um, so prior to that, you guys hadn't really performed live. No, not at all. It was just like, we were just hanging out and just playing music. Yeah. And then when uh, Bucky joined the band, that's when I started to feel a little more um, uncomfortable with stuff due to personal reasons. And then I wanted to just go, but they kept going and yeah. they found um, uh, this other guy, Mikey, um, to play drums. And uh, 
anyway, long story short, uh, he um, was kicked out of the band, and they wanted me to really play again um, after jamming a couple of times, and I joined, and that was it, and then we just kept going from there. How many um, tours have you guys gone on? Uh, tours? Because uh, I know you've been around. We have. We usually go on short tours just because of everybody's schedules and stuff like that. So Jobs. we've probably gone, yeah, over over time, like uh, probably, I don't know, I could probably count them on both hands. Yeah? Not very much, but um, enough that we uh, have made quite a few connections on the West Coast with with some good bands and stuff like that. So what, um, what's the, the farthest out you guys went? The farthest we've gone so far is, um, Bremerton up North, Bremerton, Washington, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, Oakland South. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a, like a, cause I'm so disconnected from, you know, just the, the, the punk scene and, and where it's gone, Mm. um, since I started, Doing this other thing, um, where do you see it most alive? Like, is there a, a, a town or a venue or, you know, a, oh, a certain few bands that, like, every time you go through there, it's just like, you guys have a great time? Oh, um, I would say that um, we've we've only really gone south once, um, and it was the most memorable time we've had. Mm. So, um, California really has, like, some of the best... Um, punk rock like just you know like what we usually talk about and then like the farther genres like crust punk and grindcore and yeah all the other subgenres of punk rock like power violence and um you were telling me um, about power violence so like yeah uh i feel like the old man here now but i don't <laughs> i don't really know where to draw the lines because i remember when we were in high school you know denote the apex was the grindcore band in town you know uh-huh. and it was like super spazzy constant blast beats and like time signature changes and i was like this yeah. is not for me it's fun to watch but i was i was like i i don't want to listen to this at home yeah and then i heard some of what you guys were doing i was like okay this is actually pretty cool mm-hmm. and then i heard punch and went oh i love this shit yeah and still like there'll be like an awesome guitar riff happening and then when the band's coming in i'll be like yeah and it'll be blast beats instead of like the super fast punk riff or right. that i was hoping yeah. the drummer mm-hmm. to play but i was like ah fuck uh, almost but um <laughs> and like that's kind yeah. of my relationship with that kind of music is like oh sweet this is so why stop it stop it stop. oh it's over all right cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like um yeah. there's so many stops and starts and changes that it's like it doesn't ever annoy me for that long but i always wish that like <laughs> oh no that could have been a perfect just like yeah yeah you know like and sure. and, and they're going yeah it's like no nah! yeah um but but how did you how would you um like break apart the more like punk friendly subgenres? because you mentioned power violence to me a while ago uh-huh. what how would you describe that versus grindcore or um oh man they're they're pretty all they're kind of all incestuous. I mean, yeah. grind, grindcore is sort of a blanket term of like really fast, gnarly, you know, really short songs um, that it's just like almost like bridges the gap between noise and, you know, like yeah. actual riffage and stuff like that. Um, power violence is kind of underneath of that. It's similar attitude except sometimes they slow it down and they have like a little more not breakdowns but like 
kind of moshy parts or something? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, even sometimes, like, you know, do metal. Yeah. Some stuff like that. Like really? Like, really long, drawn-out uh, notes and stuff. Hmm. Drony um, kind of? Uh, yeah, but not for too long. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the thing, yeah. And so, um, there was a few bands from the 90s that come to mind. There's Charles Bronson and Jenny Piccolo. Those are the two that are in my mind. Oh, hmm. Infest. I can't. Infest is, like, one of the pinnacle power violence bands but um but that's pretty much it it's just kind of like another just faster version of like punk rock basically you know the yeah. grindcore sort of blankets a lot of that um but so, um, and you mentioned you mentioned noise um because i know that uh you actually borrowed a dfs title and I did, started yeah. releasing music <laughs> as ninjas for hire yeah i did because like if if you guys don't know Kellen's body of work, like it's it's crazy in the way that mine is crazy, <laughs> yeah. where there's just a he is the center of this crazy web of tangents and various names of yeah. projects that you would not necessarily find if not explained to you. So sure. Um, so ninjas for hire, mm-hmm. we need to just tackle some of these. Right. How did that start and and what the fuck? Is it? Uh, Ninjas for Hire was, uh, it was when I first started getting intrigued in um, noise music and um, um, just experimental music in general, which is basically just no no limits, you know, just doing whatever really feels necessary with whatever you have, um, which there are certain directions that people go with in that. But what I loved about it was that it was a more continuation of that extreme from the music that I was listening to, Yeah, you know? So, so from like grindcore, which is just like the craziest, you know, sonic force, you know, in like when it comes to riffing and just being in a band and stuff that it almost sounds like just complete noise, that that's the next step, you know, it's like (laughs) just making just complete noise, you know, with whatever you can find. And so when I wanted to take, um, uh, when I wanted to, you know, try that out, that was that was just the name that I, I thought would be fun because um, that song, <laughs> quote unquote, a song on the end of the 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 MySpace record, I guess I don't know what self titled. Yeah, I just called it um, self titled. But the end of the end of that record was a song called Ninjas for Hire. That uh, at the end of the recording that Sam and I did of those songs. We just sort of both looked at each other and were like, well, and then he just started playing random shit on his guitar and I just started doing like some free jazz type stuff on my drums and then he starts detuning his guitar (laughs) while playing and it just became this just sonic chaos of, um, you know, kind of like sonic youth type stuff or something like that. That was really fun, actually. I remember doing the like... um, gradually taking all my strings looser and looser and looser until it was like even below the most metal of metal yep you know oh, yeah. it was, and then uh when i would go and play it like a high note and it would bend like two octaves if it was like a whammy pedal right it was like, that, like wee, oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> like, yeah whoa yeah and uh y- yeah you went all over from those jazz riffs to like metal riffs to like fucking yeah and we just kept that as the hidden track because it literally was one one take after the the previous song had finished but that yeah, that was fun, and I got a kick out of it when you when you use the name. But um, yeah, what did you uh, 
what did you end up releasing for that? Was it like an EP or did you do multiple um, it, singles or? It became a, an unfinished trilogy with my friend uh, Kenneth Kenneth Parker. Oh, um, he's in Arkham. He, Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He is a vocalist in Arkham and also has another slew of uh, um, his own miscellaneous solo projects and stuff. But um, um, he was sort of getting into a lot of the more gnarlier, you know, ex- explorations and sounds at the same time. And we had um, sort of hit it off with that. And uh, I basically just recorded a bunch of um, layered tracks with a Korg Chaosolator mm-hmm. um, and just like the freedom of that. And uh, he had started, I think it was around that time that he started it, I can't remember, but he made his own net label called Glossolalia Records. Okay. And he was releasing a lot of... I kind of remember that. Um, or at least at the time, a handful of like... A, really gnarly um like black metal records or noise records and or just exploratory sort of audio i definitely see that tangent between black metal and and there because it's very spacey um uh avant-garde kind of stuff um how do you how do you find like with noise genre it seems like it might be tough to know when it's going to connect with an audience like how do you (laughs) is there i mean is there a big scene for that stuff or is it mostly like tape trading and and downloads or um i would say it it is that the scene is bigger than you think but it is a very it's very uh i guess niche in a way it's it's like because when you when you listen to certain certain records like mersbow is a really popular Japanese um, noise musician. He's kind of the one that made it sort of a um, one of the few actually um, that made it really popular, um, popular quote unquote popular. Um, that uh, it's really it's like when you get a wall of sound that's just chaos. You know, it's either you're going to find something in it that you enjoy or you're not. Yeah, and I would say the majority of people don't, <laughs> because most people want to find music that they can escape from, like or not from, but escape to. You know, yes, they want to have a record or a song or a sound or something that they can relate to, and be, you know, feel comfortable. Have them whatever whatever it is that they have a connection to that type of music for. Um, so it's it's more confrontational to the listener. I I feel like without the structure, right. The- I feel like, at least for me personally, um, because it's such an open-ended type of music to perform or enjoy, that it's more of a personal relationship that you can find within these these this this chaos of just like whatever the hell's going on. You know, I kind of find it meditative, just because um, I just I don't know. There's something about an uncontrollable sound that is never going to end. That is very like, I could see, it's kind of existential. In I a could way, see you know? that in, in the way that like people who, the people I know who make or listen to doom. Yeah. It yeah, would it's have that similar. mirrored yeah. quality to it. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to me because y- you, if you look at what, what we do, in punk rock, 
uh-huh. that's already a small market and it's very underground mm-hmm. for the most part. And then you take a tangent off that and you go to hardcore, and it's smaller. Right. You go to grindcore, it's smaller. smaller. You go to noise, smaller. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like uh, how how. And this is part of your quest. How far can you take it? You know, sure. Um, and, and that's a very good question. Still get people invested in it and 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 care about it and love it and and you know grow that community. It's and, interesting to me. And that's that's why I felt so. I feel so comfortable um, with um, the other noise musicians that I've met and that I hang out with and um, um, do stuff with is because it is sort of like a personal quest of like how far can you go with something, you know, there's even noise acts that, um, incorporate performance art with it, or it, be- it is performance art in a way, you know, where they do live art pieces basically with just this chaos, you know, um, there's, I don't know. It's, it's a very, I think it's a, it's more of a, it could either be a very personal reason to like dive into that sort of like realm of just, just noise, or it's a complete disregard for it of just like, I just need to do this. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. like creating just for the sake of doing it, you know, it's, and there's like a fine line between that. I think, you know, if that makes sense, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but well, no, I, it it is, it's hard to pinpoint to me to know how you can, do that because because some people are gonna look at it who aren't familiar and just be like what the fuck is this right this is shit so how do you differentiate to a person who's in that genre that like this has no merit to me but that's the shit right there right and both of them are like free form floating sounds colliding yeah like that's that's interesting to me it's crazy Mm -hmm. and it's obviously people are doing certain things because they're into it, yeah. you know, or they're into certain things, but noise musicians supporting other noise musicians is like this, like somebody's bringing something to the table, almost something different or new or, you know, a different version of something like that, you know, that's unique because everything is unique. Gotcha. I mean, gotcha. there's people that will bring, um, for a lot of the noise shows that I've been to, like in Eugene and Corvallis, um, which is where I live, um, there's a lot of people that will come to these shows and perform, some using modular synthesizers through effects to just create, you know, electronic drones. There's some people that will take um, contact microphones. Do you know what a contact microphone is? It's like a, it's like a piezo mic. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And they will take it to its bare core and tape it to a sheet piece of sheet metal plug it into a distortion pedal and then rattle the shit out of it and it sounds like cra- it sounds like insane All like right. chaos and then there's other people that will um do guitar loops you know mm-hmm. um my current noise project which is called deadly discs um is all tape loops ran through distortion okay and then i do vocals on top of that oh i'm not yeah. sure if i've heard that or not um, probably not. At so least that's the current state of that project. What's um? Tell me about the screaming wind. Uh, the screaming wind was or is um the sort of 
my explorations into black metal, mm -hmm. basically, and exploring a lot of what that sound sort of means to me. And uh, it was actually the evolution of Bear Cub, uh, yeah, believe it or which, not. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, and it was just the songwriting became a lot, not not more personal. It, the, my songwriting has always been personal, but um, certain sounds within black metal I felt were more appropriate for the lyrics that I was writing that I wanted to apply that to some of my lyrics and it just it just worked so well together it feels much more I feel much more connected to the music mm. in doing it in that way than I uh, was with Bear Cub and um, and so that's pretty much what it is I guess it would be uh, if we're going with genres here, it would be considered atmospheric black metal. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's really just, just again, it's just an evolution of songwriting for me. <laughs> if we're going with genres here, I just make <laughs> music, man. I'm an artist, okay? You're trying yeah. to put all these names on and labels. Oh, Jesus. Have you looked at Bandcamp tags lately? I mean, there's millions <laughs> and millions and millions and millions. Of yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that's my, that's good. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like reading YouTube comments. Like my... my my page makes no sense at all because it says punk, rap, uh, and folk on, yeah. on, ev <laughs> on every release. It's like the yeah. built-in tag from the page says right. funk, rap, and, and sure. uh, or punk, rap, and folk, and it's like what? what? Okay, yeah. But I mean, I forgot. I did think of this as you were explaining. Uh, you were answering my question about the noise and um, discerning uh -huh. know, what's yeah. what's quality and what's not. Um, reminds me of of rap music because both genres are things that people will look at and say, anybody can do that. Right. But if you're just doing the same thing that's derivative and amateurish, you know, then you're always going to be able to spot that versus someone who's original and expressing themselves in the truest way. You know, you can always see that. So to me, I always focus on the lyric, you know, and like I even said about Bear Cub, like that stuff is super simple music, but I love the lyric, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that, that'll always draw me in first, um, whether it's punk or rap or anything, gotcha. um, but the same can be felt also, you know, in, in the more, uh, atmospheric, um, instrumental genres that we're talking about as well. Sure. You know? Um, you can tell when somebody is sort of getting into maybe, Mm. Like understanding what noise means to them and understanding how their, their how, processors work yeah, and how their exactly. gear uh, manipulates the the sounds and exactly or whatever it is that they're trying to portray. Um, and there is a little more leeway with that that you're you know you're sort of like okay I see where you're coming from sort of yeah. thing. I don't know how it is in hip hop. I don't know if you can like hear somebody being a little more amateurish and being like you know I see where you're going with this you know, and then maybe watching them. I don't know. If, I don't know uh, if that's like a thing or if, um, definitely to me anyway, like you can, you can hear when someone is reading off their phone, the lyric that they typed that afternoon. Okay. I see you what know, you're saying. Or if, yeah. or if someone has tried and tested this material and they come and they spit it with conviction, you know, from the heart, like you can gotcha. hear a huge difference. Yeah. Or if totally. you're talking about the same subject, like you can listen to a song. Let's, let's just say local rappers. If you listen to a song that has, um, you know, three different verses from three different guys in the same city. Right. There's always going to be the standout of like, oh, that guy really nailed it. 
Yeah. You know, and like, oh, that, that guy, I don't know. Okay, you know, I got I, 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 serious. He didn't yeah. quite hit it. They're all talking about the same thing. It's the same song, the, the sure. same city, the, the same studio. Okay. And eh, that guy really nailed it, you right. know. And so, like, to me, you can always, you can always tell gotcha. who, who's the real thing. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? With noise music, I think that there might be some sort of, like, adolescent sort of, I just want to do this because I can sort of thing, you know? Yeah. But um, people that see it as a as a as an art, they're they're doing it for a reason. Like they, you know, whether it may sound similar, you know, not as unique as other things or something. At least in noise, it's coming from somewhere. Is it something that like you see deep. like shorter retention for the artist? Do they like just kind of come in and out of it, or do they come in for a short time? Like I just need to do this and then disappear, or is it? similar to other genres and in, in the way people last like um, once you're into it that far then you're in gotcha i i'm sure it's it's both it's just the yeah. same like any other music genre it's just it's such a could be boy shut the fuck up <laughs> no it, it could be <laughs> oh louie it could be uh it could be an alienating thing um and some people might you know get into it and be like okay this isn't for me and then move on sort of thing but for some people it's like it's what they need yeah you know i i have to now that i have unlocked that within myself i know that i have to have it around yeah you know i'll, I'll do it for a very long time because it's it's sound in its purest form of just just chaos and i enjoy that a lot it keeps me keeps me sane i'd rather be doing this to my ears and my art than you know keeping up all this like aggression of yeah modern day life that you know I don't want to, I'd rather take it out on my music then. <laughs> well, one, one thing that I look forward to uh, with somebody like you is um, hearing not just the progression, but I always see as people um, go off in, in different directions and kind of zigzag across genres that um, what what happens at at some point is that you start to hear those influences intersect and that's interesting yeah. to me and i look forward to hearing um you know where where it takes you you know in 5 years or 10 years like the record that you make um yeah. that that is outside of any of those boxes but incorporates elements of those things like that's what's really cool to me cuz you know you and i we both jump around um, sure. like we're little game pieces on a you know on a board but definitely um and but I, it's when those things cross paths that it really works you know and uh, i think about that a lot i think about the day that i you know incorporate all these things that i've learned from recording things myself you know how to work a daw you know yeah. to the craziness of noise to the primitiveness of like 8-bit music and stuff um to you know, my songwriting and everything. Like I'm wondering when that will ever become like the, the Kellen album, just become you one know, thing. just yeah. one thing. I don't know if they ever will. Cause that's quite a, quite a leap, but you never know. Yeah. I mean, and, and I have like when I did counterclockwise and you played on that album. Yes. Um, that was my third, like solo kind of acoustic and rock yeah. med medley of, of sounds, uh -huh. you know, kind of album. And, um, on that one, I was like, you know, I'm not going to say this is the folk album, this is the rock album, whatever. Like, let's just do it all this time. 
And I, I didn't put my rap on it because I was like, that's too far. I can't do that. Yeah, for sure. But then what I started seeing over the years is that um, uh, that I was recognizing like my punk influence was actually stronger in my music, in my rap music, after I stopped yelling on the tracks and, and started being more introspective. And like the, the singer-songwriter element was more evident when I started telling long form stories right. and the raps and stuff like that. So it was like, I was starting to see those influences come out in less literal ways, you know, but it was clearly, you know, totally from those other ways of, of writing. And yeah, and it's cool to look back at your own progression. And once in a while you'll hear a song that you did and go, Oh, that, makes a lot more sense now because yeah. you're so in the middle of totally. it you can't see those things when they're happening mm-hmm. yeah I, I i do want to just touch on the bear cub record um because for me that was significant that was a time when in 2010 i had been done recording bands for hire i really wanted to start investing in projects that i really loved and thought were interesting and might not get hurt otherwise and yours was the first one that um was like I mean, because I I'd, I'd done Honor Bradley and a couple other things like that, right. but yours was the first thing that I went. I like what you're doing. Let's actually produce this shit like for yeah. real. Like I'm not totally. gonna I'm not gonna just engineer your record and throw out a couple of opinions when we're doing takes, but like let's demo everything. We'll listen, analyze, interpret, break down every word, every note, every chord. And is this what we want to say with it and and build it? And we really, really made that album. Well, I mean, it was an EP, but we, we really produced mm-hmm. that in the truest sense of the word. And I, you know, put that out as a Take 92 record. We put out even a CD single that we had to, uh, yeah. uh, at shows and, and, and for college stations, radio stations and stuff. And, um, you know, that was going to be where take 92 was headed was i was going to start bringing in more projects like right. that and expanding my roster so it's not just the you know sam's records club <laughs> yeah. and you know um which is what it was at that moment i i had another band on deck to be after you and and you know had that thing happening and then uh we met we met ena and then um you know i started going oh shit i really need to reinvest in the illusionists and and maybe this isn't the right time to do this but before all that went away i look back very fondly on that you know time that that we had making that record yeah um and when i show people that or when they discover it after the book came out people started looking back at my old releases and they'd be like this is a really cool project like Oh, nice. I didn't even know you could <laughs> like produce stuff like this. This is like sounds really good. Like uh-huh. the, the content's great, you know. Yeah. And um, I, that's one that I just always c- come back to. I enjoy listening to it. I feel like you could hear how you know green you were, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, there were some some great ideas, and the fact that yep. you played all your own um, uh, like drums and guitars you don't really get that on a folk record so it had a right a, a cohesiveness in in mm-hmm. presentation that way and and the fact that we wrote harmony parts but i didn't sing them you sang them and, right. and you know like we did all that stuff like i totally. really wanted it to be your yeah statement sure um, yeah 
and I definitely learned a lot from that from that um, time because it was not only the first time that it was all of my own music, you know, that I was going to be putting onto this thing. Yeah, you know, because that was something that was the first time I've ever done something like that. Um, but I learned a lot because you were very good about like try this, you know, try this, try this, and I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of that, or I had some idea of like how things would go. But, you know, you just suggesting things and then working with it. And it kind of became like a very, it just became a good like album just because it, going back to what we were just talking about, about how making something sound good to the best of your ability. That's what that was. It yeah. was the best, some of the best songwriting um, that I had done, you know, at the time. And that was the way I knew how to portray it was that type of music it, and being able to have it sound as full as it did off of me just being like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, was, I remember you were very was, nervous about oh, yeah. the guitar playing and stuff. I still get nervous. Um, like, I'm nervous now and I'm just talking to a microphone, but, like, it I can, was... I can tell with your fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, it was definitely a big learning experience for me about how to piece things together, about how to go about recording... And how to just try things like in a studio. Like I love, yeah. I love recording in a studio now because of like all of our time in the past of having like recordings here, you know, yeah. is because I just love studio work because you just get to do it. You get to hear it back. You can hear what you can change. You can hear what you, you know, feel like you can play better, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that was something that I've always taken from recording here was like, like I can do, I could do one more better, you know, like I can, yeah. I can do that one more better. So yeah, no, that was a good time. It was definitely fun. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so aside from this record that we're going to keep, keep chipping away at, um, what's, what's yeah. on the horizon for you this year? Uh, this year, uh, facing extinction, we're going to, um, hopefully write one more song and then, uh, we're going to record, um, like, do a really good job of recording all this recent material because we're really happy with it and then do a split record with our friends down in California. They have a band called Reality Lost and uh, I think we're going to do a split record with them and actually press it like on vinyl because we really want to nice. have a vinyl. I think that'll be, it'd be really good and this type of music I think sounds really good on vinyl too. So yeah, so we'll do like a split, hopefully a 10 inch with them um, and then go on tour probably down south cool, to them. Man. Hopefully. Other than that, I'm just regularly doing noise shows in Corvallis. Um, there's a coffee shop up there called Inner Zone. Yeah, dude, I played there with Outreach in like, oh, did you? Fucking 2002. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's still <laughs> punk rock. It's wow. Like, and it's yeah, Facing Extinction actually just played there for the first time. Man, that's uh, nuts. A couple yeah, weeks ago. I played a show that was EPD and Outreach back to back sets. Really? In that room? I didn't know it's that. Tiny. That's awesome. It is tiny. tiny. But that's the best. It's, it's super <laughs> intimate. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, but they do noise shows there now, um, pretty regularly. Mm. And, um, my friend Chris has been setting them up. Um, and so I do those pretty regularly whenever I'm back from, from work. Um, how can people find your music? Do you have any kind of central, uh, page that they can look at? Um, I have, I have three Bandcamp pages cause they're all three very different. Yeah. Um, one of them is, uh, mountains of pixels dot bandcamp.com that's my explorations in 
uh, 8-bit music and just other realms of video game music because I, I grew up playing video games with my brother and it's like a huge part of me and this is that was a that project was a way of me like sort of giving back as well as being nostalgic in a way yeah that you know? that stuff was interesting didn't you and um gabe or you and Cross have something you're working on with that or oh. was there talk of that at some there point? was talk. making beats with there the... was talk yeah that's right i was going to i think evan was trying to do a solo record that's right and he really wanted that's me to right. get some game boy sounds and i totally dropped the ball on him and uh just didn't know exactly what they wanted gotcha. and i thought that like i was trying to make beats or something like that and then they just wanted sound effects and i was like oh that makes more sense and then by then it was i think kind of fizzling out into something yeah else i think he went in a different direction yeah it, but so gotcha. um, so that, okay, that so was going to be pixels yes and then uh the screaming wind so the screaming wind.bandcamp.com okay that has the most recent stuff that i've done and then deadlydiscs.bandcamp.com i think or just google deadly discs and it's on there and that's like all my with a c stuff. or a k uh it's just how it's spelled i mean disc. discs discs yeah oh yeah, yeah plural yeah. sorry well so yeah d-i-s-c-s c-s okay yeah because yeah. yeah. pe- a lot of people uh still will write uh d-i-s-k when they're not talking about a computer drive they're talking about like a oh c- yeah a cd or something i'm like really come on yeah. oh gotcha yeah <laughs> this is um i took the name from an old uh atari tron game ah called tron deadly discs and it was it's a really fun game if nobody's ever played it but uh that's what i was taking it from because when i started that project it was taking game boys and running them through like effects and stuff like that yeah just to make crazy noise with that um and so those are the three. And then um, my band that I play drums in, pretty similar to DFS, I guess. Similar vein, I should say. Um, and that's uh, facingextinction.bandcamp.com, I think. So um, usually when I close the interview, I play a song that we've collaborated on at some point. Now, oh, I okay. could just throw on something from the Bear Cub record, or I could play lost again or we could give them something new i don't know um i don't know i guess we'll see what happens after <laughs> all right after we cut out but um, mystery yeah sweet well we're gonna fucking play some dfs songs and get all sweaty and loud yeah peace good. thanks for tuning in once again it was a great show i thought i had a good time if you like the show I know some of you guys are regulars. If you like it, subscribe to it. And go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. That would help other people see the show. Put some eyes on it. Some visibility. Give us that five-star rating. And if you enjoy the show and you want to see Facing Extinction, if you're in Eugene, they're playing with Napalm Death on May 4th at Old Nick's. So check that out. For now, I decided we're so stoked on these new demos. We just recorded four new songs. I'm going to give you one of them. This is a a rough demo recorded all the same day as this interview. Drums, bass, guitar, other guitar and vocal all done. All four songs. I'm going to give you one of them. Working title of Help. And uh, yeah, this is DFS. Let's do it.